If ever your life could be a true crime podcast episode, then this podcast is for you. We're about to embark on a roller coaster of emotions, insights, survival, and stories about escape. So buckle up and let the journey begin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Escape Pod, a part serious, part hilarious comedy featuring stories of escape. Escape from all the things, some of them funny, some of them not funny at all. I'm Julie. And I'm Charity. And you're listening to The Escape Pod. How's it going? (laughs) Like we were saying off air, this has been honestly one of the longest weeks I remember. It's just... It's a hard week. One hit after another. And it really stinks because the weather outside for December in South Dakota is gorgeous. It's amazing. And so, I mean, it should be like on cloud nine. Like, oh, my gosh, it's not freezing. It's not windy. And then it's just one (laughs) bucket of crap after another, after another, after another. This week, it just can't. <laughs> yeah, things go in spurts, right? And we're, we're uh, This is having... bigger than a spurt. <laughs> I would say this is full-fledged of fire hose territory. <laughs> Wrong end of a fire hose territory. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of over it. Yeah, so we're going to um, hibernate here in the escape pod. We are coming to you from uh, a podcast suite on the One Heart campus in Rapid City, South Dakota. And if you want to know a little bit more about One Heart and uh, the people we're working with trying to escape the crisis of poverty, please go to the uh, prologue episode that you'll find that's a lot more about One Heart. In the work that we do, there are a, a number of people on the staff and, of course, the people that we serve who are, sca- are escaping all sorts of things. Um, and a lot of those folks have successfully escaped um, lived experience of trauma, of uh, victimization, um, some violent crimes, violent crimes, assaults, uh, addictions in some cases, but um, probably less so that especially among our staff than than some be, having been the mm-hmm. I like to say survivor of an assault or or um, victimization so conqueror superhero there you go yeah. escape artist escape artist you were an escape artist yeah yeah, yeah. so we a, a few episodes ago we talked um, if you're listening in order of recordings, we talked to Charity about, you know, escaping her 13-year-old self and some of her antics as a, as a you know, girl or young woman. And some of them are pretty funny, but um, they do, some of them are also pretty serious. So today we're taking a little more serious topic, and it'll help people, I think, understand why I think now um, for people who know you, part of the reason why you want to do the work that you do, and for those who don't, just a little insight into your hosts here. So where do we start? What age What age do we start at with this story? How old were you? Are you talking about like an the, adult? Are you talking about the um, leading intro the, to the trajectory to break these cycles? Or are you talking about like the episode capital E? Mm. what makes more sense to start with? Um, okay, I think I got it. I got okay. it. Okay. So you want me just to roll? Just roll with it. Just roll with it. Okay. Yeah. So um, Julie has heard this story 
a couple of times at least. Um, we've definitely gone down the rabbit holes and, you know, talked about the the differences in our upbringings. And, and I'll preface this story with I harbor no blame, no ill will towards the people who birthed me at all. Um, I, I do believe that they were doing the best that they could with who they are and, and what they had and how they were raised and all the stuff that just, you know, ends up creating a, a human being and, and, and your, your story and, and how you how you relate to other people with that. Um, not everybody's really cut out for parenthood. You know, we know that that's incredibly stressful, especially to children who have who have children of their own. Um, yeah, your parents, just to be clear, if people haven't been listening from yeah. the get-go, were teenage parents. Yeah. And not just like 18, 19, like, oh, I was a senior in high school. They were young. Like, your mom yeah. was like 15. She, she got pregnant with me at 15, yeah. um, finished eighth grade, which was, um, you know, uh, junior high school at that time in our community, which are now middle schools. They've, they've changed a little bit since that time. Uh, my dad was in the process of, he was a senior, he was a little bit older, um, graduating, but uh, yeah, they got pregnant with me and it got real, real fast. Sure. And, you know, and for my mom, um, I don't know if she's told me this or if I've inferred this. So this is just my view on that. Um, and, and just, you know, being in the work that I am working with people in the crisis of poverty and like Dr. Donna Beagle and her work. And one of the things Donna said that really stuck with me when I spent some time with her out in Portland was um, babies, boobs, and butts. That's what gets you noticed when you're struggling in the crisis of poverty as a, as a young woman. And babies are like, you can get positive attention. It can also help get you out of situations, you know, to like mm-hmm. if you're in a household, you know, in my mom's case, um, she grew up in generational poverty. So, it, you know, big family, very, very poor. And uh, there were just there were a lot of issues. And, you know, I loved my mama and papa. Um, they were they were cool. But I, I am aware that it there was probably some dysfunction and yeah. some things going on. You for know? her, it mm-hmm. maybe wasn't that great. And her memories as the daughter are different than your memories as the granddaughter. Yeah. That's not but, unusual. Know, she she talked know. about some things. She's pretty private about most of it, but I was able to glean some things yeah. over the years. You know, we're very close in age. I mean, my mom and I are 16 years apart, right? Right. So growing up, um, we were more girlfriends than anything. It was my dad's mom who was more of that mom figure to me. Mm, interesting. And then, um, you know, and she passed away when I was 14 at 48 years of age. Brain aneurysm took her out. And you know, I already had some issues, but I will say losing her exacerbated um, my self-destructive uh, choices. Sure. And things that I was doing and... Um, yeah, that really was a, a a turning point and not a great direction. Um, she was the glue, you oh, know, the, yeah. the 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 safe base. The um, yeah, just that you know. I think when you don't have that person who tells you that like you're special, you're mm-hmm. you're beautiful, you're smart, you're the, you know, it makes a big difference. Yeah, and when when she exited this earth um I lost that I didn't have I didn't have that anymore and I already, you know we've talked about so 
stories from when I was 13. Well, 14, that happened. I already had self-confidence issues and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of a thing. So um, I can honestly tell you it got incredibly worse after that. I mean, that's when I started um, dipping into my mom's drug stash. Um, My mom was not a drug addict, um, but she always had a stash of speed uppers Mm. and uh, 13, 14 year old should not be doing that crap. I almost, I almost OD'd one time and she had no idea. Like she had no idea, just not tuned in. I would have noticed a dramatic difference in my kids. You know, I have two adult children now. If they had done anything like that, I would have been able to tell, but nah, no clue, Mm -hmm. no clue at all. Interesting. Um, So anyway, I had access and, you know, when you're like, and I get it. I mean, I deal with people with substance abuse disorders all the time. And, and not that I ever developed a disorder or an addiction or anything like that. I do understand reaching for something to help you be, and it's, it's, it's false. It's all false, right? Right. But to reach for something to help you be something that you feel you're lacking or more of what you want to be or give you that false confidence or that false sense of invincibility or, you know, um, well, you even hear about, you know, sometimes celebrities who say they start using something at a very young age. And a lot of times it's, well, I, you know, I'd have to go to these parties. And I realized, well, it's easier to be at the party if I'm drunk or if I'm high or if I'm this or I'm that. And, you know, you always think you're like so far removed from those people. Mm-hmm. But that it's it's fair if you think that that's how you can feel the way you're supposed to feel, you know, is with help of a substance. And unfortunately, it's just a layer, right? It's just covering up something else. Yeah. Go well, on. When, you, when you're uninhibited. <laughs> right. Holy moly, you can have a good time. <laughs> you can do all those things like that you daydream about and think yeah. about like, um, you know, especially if you're really craving some kind of connection or attention that you're not capable of um, healthfully yeah. Entering into when you're when you're sober. Well, the it's only time I could world. bluff in poker was when I was had had too much to drink. Yeah. And then I could giggle my way through a hand and they were like, well, she's laughing so much. She must have a good hand. I had a terrible hand. Terrible. OK, I, I'm going to put I that on hand. my wish list. I want to see but Julie <laughs> under the influence of alcohol and play poker. Right. I got to put but that on in, the list. But in a normal situation, like I'm a terrible liar. Right. But oh, in yeah. that situation, I was like, oh, gosh, they they totally believe me like they think. And and so they're like, well, she, I mean, she has to she has to have a good hand. No, not at all. So now I've given my towel. So if you ever see me just giggly in a poker game, my hand is terrible. Okay. Just so you know. All right. We should <laughs> go on. Okay. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's okay. Where was I? I was using drugs at a young age. I know we started using that. your mom's stash. Using Getting into mom's your mom's stash. stash. She doesn't notice. No. Where were we going? Well, I don't know. I you said, um, I mean, that was you. Your grandma had died 14. Mm-hmm. All of the bad behaviors got a little bit worse. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I was, um, yeah, we, we went. So my whole plan on, hey, I got it. This is how we're going to start. We, we're off the rails. But it's okay. I'll get back there. Um, but, no, like, I started um, sneaking out even on school nights because um, my parents were also super controlling. I imagine it was because they were very wild as teenagers and didn't want that for their daughter. But the more they 
controlled and, you know. As teenagers do. Yeah, the more I rebelled. And, uh, I mean, I got caught a few times Mm -hmm. over many years. The number of times I didn't get caught, 98% of the time. Wow. Um, I had it down to a science. There 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 were nights, mornings, when I'd be out, go to bed. I'd be out partying it up and never sleep. Come home. Sneak back in, go get ready for school, go to school, and do it again and again and again. There were times when um, whatever boy I was, like, obsessing over um, – God, I hope I've told my husband the story. I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was this one guy that I just was infatuated with, and he was actually a pretty decent guy, um, which means I ended up screwing him over because – you know, and then and then regretting it and all the stuff. But um, I had a friend. I said, and I just wasn't in the mood to like sneak out. My little sister was sleeping over with me in my and you know in my room and yeah, doing things like introducing my sister to vodka. I mean, it was really stupid stuff. But and that's what big sisters do. So um, I asked my friend to go find this guy that I liked and bring him to me. I didn't think he'd do it. Well, he did. And this guy had been partying. So he was hammered. He kind of shoves him in my window. And this guy is passed out on my bedroom floor. He strips down. He's in his little bikini underwear. They're baby blue. I'll always remember that. And I'm just like, and my little sister is sitting, she's four years younger. She's sitting on my bed like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Oh my God. There's, there's a boy in Charity's room. And uh, yeah. And he passes out. I cover him up, you know, whatever. And it was like, Easter? There was something going on. Oh, yeah. It must have been around Easter because my my dad's birthday is in May. And so this must have been like just after Easter, right before his birthday is right at the beginning of May. And so my mom had his gifts down in my room Mm. that she's going to give him that next morning. So um, I hear her hit. So my door, my bedroom door was at the bottom of the stairs. And I hear her footsteps on the stair that morning. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I throw a blanket over the, the, the pseudo boyfriend, um, love interest, whatever, throw a blanket over him on the floor. You know, and we'd had like this little sleepover, so it didn't look out of sorts. Ran to my dresser where the presents were, picked him up. And just as she was opening the door, I'm like, oh, I was just bringing this up to you. Yeah. And uh, she never saw <laughs> the mostly naked guys, the guy laying on my floor, bedroom floor. So, um, but that's the kind of shit I would pull. And you know, like I'd be mortified if my daughter had done those things. I and she didn't on a need second to. Floor. There was no climbing. No, in the that was good. <laughs> but like my daughter didn't need to. You know, it was like open right. lines of communication. You know, it was not. I am going to trust you until you give me a reason not to. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then there were times when I would do that. Um, I remember one time in particular where just to kind of set the context of like the cycles I was trying to escape. You know, it wasn't just the the fighting and the abuse and the drugs and all the stuff from my family, what I was exposed to from birth. Um, it was choices, too. It was decisions that and I was always incredibly like straight A student, always really smart, always mm. really smart. Which is why, like, even at school, when you're up all night, mm-hmm. whatever, and you and you go to school with virtually no probably no sleep or almost no sleep. And like even teachers probably weren't like, what are you doing? No, you know, because no, 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 no. they wouldn't no it wouldn't have been an obvious like this child's failing 
we need to check into her home life, you know, or we need to see what she's up to outside of here. You were getting good grades. And so you liked me. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I could. I could get through it it. off. Yeah. Yeah. So like thinking about um, where I was going with that with like trying to like escape all of these um, situations, you know, it really led to some destructive behaviors. I got to the point where um, I didn't know how to approach somebody I was interested in or let them know unless I was absolutely inebriated. Mm. And when you're talking about drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels, yeah, yep. I don't even know what right. my gag reflex is permanent at this point. Southern Comfort, Jack Daniels. Like, but being so drunk, blackout drunk, and um, who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. I am aware of some of the things I've done when I'm in that state. Not that, not that I remember it, but that I'm that I'm told. Um, but there are some things I'm sure I don't know. And um, and you know, I remember a couple of different guys that I grew up with getting me home. If they took liberties, I don't know. I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they didn't. But like literally being back in my room in my bed, shoes, clothes on, you know. Um, and I don't know if it was honestly like just alcohol spewed, like vomited all over my bed or pissed myself or whatever. I have no idea, but just like I did get busted that time. My mom came down and it was a, not a pretty scene. And mm-hmm. so she knew I had been out. But again, you know, for every time that I did something like that, there were like dozens of times that they had no idea. Mm. So I knew this wasn't healthy. Right. So graduate high school. Um. And that year between high school and college, um, oh, that was a hard year. You're going to – you're at some point hear some stories about the year and the antics and all the things I was doing. And, it, and I think it was just, oh, I felt so stuck and so helpless and so, like, if this is life, mm. um, I, this isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. And so I had, a, I had a friend who was very much like me. Um, same, very similar upbringing, similar life decisions. Um, we were we were two peas in a pod. She was a little more advanced in the drug use than I was. And one night, um, you know, as uh, we we were going to get something, she knew a dealer. Um, I really kind of was along for the ride, but I was also that kind of person who. Um, at the time was going to do something to fit in, right? So the first time I snorted a drug, I'm like, okay, yeah, here we go. I'm going to end up like my dad. I can't do this. I can't do this. And so I um, went to School of Mines, South Dakota School of Mines. Um, Back then it was called South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. Now it's just South Dakota Mines. And um, I didn't even know what an engineer was. I knew what college was, not that it was ever promoted when I was in high school. Um, none of, with the grades I had and always being in advanced classes, there wasn't a counselor or a teacher or anybody that, Charity, you need to take physics. You need to do these things and get some of these pre You know, never talked to college. So I had mm. no, no idea. I was smart, but not like I didn't know that path because no one in my family had ever done that. So it wasn't like a, you know, they just like like a look at my kids you know I have a son my youngest is ready to graduate his undergrad in May and it was never a question college right. was always part of the fabric of just this is what you do in life mm-hmm. right same in my family yeah, yeah yeah 
I mean, I went to school with your your siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go there and I'm heavily under the influence and I just knew like I was desperate. I don't know if what they saw. I mean, I'm pretty good at faking, you know, pulling pulling it off. And and I just said, you know, I'd be interested in going here. And they're like, well, you know, you need your and I can't remember back then if it was your SAT or your ACT. And I said, OK, what's that? What do I need to do? And they're like, well, we happen to have this test coming up on Saturday. It's hundred bucks or 150 bucks or whatever it was back then. And I'm like, okay, sign me up. Let's do this. And so I go in, rock the test and get accepted. And, um, I just, I had to do something. And so that was kind of the start of it because, um, it wasn't, it wasn't about one upping my family. Right. Although that was how it was perceived. Oh, shoot. Yeah, there were some conversations. And I was really proud of like, oh, my God, I'm going to college. Who would have thought? Nobody had ever, you know, like yeah. I was the first one to do this. And I, so I just thought uh, maybe finally, question mark, my parents will be proud of me. Um, nope, wasn't case, was not the case. And if they were, they never expressed it. But um, it was more of like, oh, you're better than us. You think you're better than us now. And I'm like, you know, I don't. I just want better. I want different. I don't. Mm. I don't want these struggles. I don't want, you know, I don't want this. I, I imagine I'm going to have, like, it just has to be different. I cannot go through life if this, where the bar was, is where it was going to be my entire life. I just felt like there was more to life. And I, this is a really wild um, tangent, but um, we lived in Turkey when I was a kid. My dad was in the Air Force, and so we we moved around a little bit. I was born here moved around a lot, and then um, came back here in fifth grade and, and grew up here. Um, but in Turkey, so I was five and six, started kindergarten there. And I remember there was this field out next to our house. And I would um, just play out in this field by myself. There were these like little wild honeysuckle flowers, mm-hmm. and they had really sweet nectar. And I would just sit there for hours. And this is going to sound bizarre. Maybe I'm schizophrenic. I don't know. No, I'm actually not. But... Um, <laughs> I actually had a conversation, you know, higher power, whatever you want to call it. And um, and I didn't know what it meant at the time as far as the words being used and how I was interpreting that. But I knew I knew what it meant. And it was all about you are here to break these cycles. And I knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the word cycles and like you know, what was going on. I didn't have that language yet to understand what it was like living in my household. And it wasn't all terrible, but there were a lot of things I wanted to make sure did not get repeated when I, if and when I had children, right? And I, I, I can't, I can remember the sunlight. I can remember like everything about that moment. It is imprinted on my brain. And I carried that with me all those years. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to, to growing up, um, you know, some of the things, and again, my dad is a great guy. I'm not here to, to bash him. I'm just here to tell you, like, here are the incidents that led to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a very uh, interesting physical, physical, that's the word I'm looking for, way of um, uh, expressing his displeasure or disappointment or whatever. Um, it could be a backhand. It could be a fist. It could be, you know, whatever. Um, I remember one time, you know, this is, it's, it's ridiculous and it's obscene, but it's what happened. Um, 
I would often get grounded from the phone. This is days when the phone was actually attached to the wall and had a cord. <laughs> and uh, I was grounded from the phone and because that's just the way to hurt me, you know, like instead of like today, you take away your kids' devices or whatever while yep. you're grounded from the phone. Well, they were they were gone. My dad came home, and this is in the middle of the day, caught me on the phone. Instead of like, oh, okay, you're grounded longer or something, took the phone, hit me in the face with it and broke a tooth. So for years, until I was actually out of college and had an engineer salary so I could get my teeth fixed, I had teeth issues and very, you know, I already had self-confidence issues, but now like I don't want to smile, I'm going to cover my mouth when I talk or when I smile or, you know, anything like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't huge, but it was noticeable. I mean, I had like a corner taken out of a tooth being smacked with a phone. Mm. And it's just one of those things. It's like, I can never imagine that. And it's these moments um, where I don't believe that's what's in his heart. Like, I don't think he's a hateful, um, hurtful person. Like, it's not his nature. He's actually a really funny, fun, love life kind of guy. But it's those impulsive, reactive. And I, and I, and I, you know, I don't know a lot about his history mm-hmm. and upbringing, but I've been able to infer some things. And I'm not here to, like, you know, really go, go into all of that. But I would guess it has to be do with the way he was raised and the things he was exposed to and the stuff he had to endure. And instead of ever sitting down and going, you know, maybe that wasn't okay and I want to do different. It was just like, and that's, that's cycles, right? Yeah. Typically we repeat our cycles. Well, like I said, from age five, I knew that I had to do something different. So I always carried that with me. And again, you know, that last time I did drugs and then to going into um, School of Mines, I'm like, this is this is it. I am going to finally fulfill that. So um, the last time my dad had assaulted me, I was 17. And when we would go into things like that, uh, get into an altercation, um, it was always ridiculous. Because, but I could never back down. I would know I'm going to get my ass kicked, but I could just never back down. And it's that is so like what we, we, we talk with our guests about, about that hardwired fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to override that and do something that's going to help preserve you. And in a way, that's what it's there for. But it yes, backfires it yeah. a lot. And, you know, yeah. when you're when you when you're going, your fight response is kicking in with someone who, you know, you're not going to beat, um, you know, it gets pretty stupid because then you're just pissing the person off. And yeah. and it wasn't just my dad. I mean, I fought with plenty of people. I started fighting and, 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 and expressing violence um, from I mean, the earliest time I remember was probably first grade. Wow. Moving back to moving back to the States. Um well, maybe it was second grade, or maybe I came in. No, I came in mid-year, so it probably would have been first grade. And uh, maybe second? I can't remember now. It's a little but fuzzy, but very young. young. Yeah. And I'm talking about a fight drawing blood with yeah. a little girl because she said something to me and was snotty. Mm-hmm. And I was just tired of putting up with people's shit. <laughs> and so we ended up becoming best friends, but it started with a bang. Yeah. And blood. And like, so I guess we were blood sisters, but good Lord. I mean, and I, I, neither one of my kids has ever been in a fight, you know, like, or anyway, it's just wild to think about. So that, that's kind of the setup. So, um, I start going to mines and, uh, living my best life. I, I have friends that are going places in life. I meet a, I meet a guy that's not my type and it's absolutely wonderful. We've talked about 
you know, this guy before who ended up becoming my husband still, oh, Lord, can't believe that happened some days. Um, very good to be around just positive influences and mm-hmm. respect, being respected, being um, being seen, being heard, mm-hmm. um, not being objectified, um, that kind of a thing. Like it, it was weird. It was mm-hmm. very weird at first, but it was kind of nice. Um, I was doing incredibly well in school. Like um, I changed my major like 1,700 times because, again, I didn't know <laughs> what an engineer really right, was. So I was right. like kind of, you know, trying to figure everything out. Started out as mechanical um, because I, I, I roughly understood that. And I was always like we've talked about before, yeah. very mechanical. I knew how to fix things. I would figure them out if I didn't. Um, probably should have stuck with that. I don't know how I landed on civil and environmental, but that's what I ended up doing. So fast forward to, um, this would have been 1995. I'm semi-living at home. Um, That's my address. That's my residence. But now I have this serious boyfriend. We've been dating for several years. Um, So at his frat house, at his frat room, you know, most nights, or at my sorority house with my my sisters most nights. Um, So I, I didn't really stay at home. But this particular Sunday morning, I had two exams the next day. And so I'm down in my room studying and just, you know, doing my thing. And um, mine's was hard. And I was really smart and I did incredibly well, but I had to work at it. It was not natural. That course material, like, man, you have to be like way off the charts if you're just going to breeze through, breeze through that school. So I'm doing my due diligence and making sure that I can beat all the guys that I'm in competition with in, in classes. We definitely had a friendly competition going um, and I, I go upstairs to get something. And uh, this was an occasion where my sister was home. I have a sister that's four years younger. And uh, she ran away from home a lot, um, would be in different situations where she wasn't living with us, was in a, a group home or or whatever due to a, a variety of challenges, um, again, stemming from the family we were raised yeah. in, you know. Yeah. Um, she's incredibly smart and gifted and talented and, and, and just super cool. But, you know, her, her trajectory was even different. I mean, she didn't finish school in a traditional route. She kind of followed my mom's footsteps, got her GED later. Um, but she's just absolutely brilliant and mm-hmm. uh, and super fun and just, just cool. But she happened to be home, which wasn't a, a normal thing. And they'd, they'd had a breakfast that I didn't partake in. So I go upstairs and, and there's you know a bunch of dishes. Um, house was always neat. I, I did get that from my mother, my <laughs> tendency to be like OCD neat freak, right? Yeah. Um, but my dad makes a comment to me about, you know, I want you to do these dishes. And my response was, I didn't dirty them, and I'm studying for two exams, and I don't I don't have the time, I'm not gonna do this. And he had this look on his face. So now I'm 21. He had this look on his face that reminded me of 17 when was the last time he assaulted me. And so I'm like, oh, this is weird. I thought, and I'll buy it, he, he, had, to, he had a major life-altering event where there's like a, a tumor on his oh, pituitary wow. gland okay. when I was 19. And that had to alter. He had to, he had to make some lifestyle changes. Okay. So to my knowledge, he was clean, sober, not using, you know, so I thought – that had stopped a couple years prior. He had this look on his face, and I thought, oh, is this really going to go down? 
okay, maybe it is. And he was yelling at me, you know, blah, blah, lazy, this, that, other thing, whatever. So I go downstairs, close my bedroom door, lock it, turn around, and I wait because I know what's going to happen. And sure enough, door gets broken down. He comes in, fist raised, and I stopped him for one second. And I just said, I want you to know, last time I told you, so, you know, several years prior, you do it again, I'm going to turn you in, which I never had. I had never reported him all these years. Because as a child, as someone who's a minor, I mean, there were times when I did not live at home and I was homeless and, and, and couch surfing and doing whatever I had to do to have shelter. And sometimes that was not a pretty picture and they were really bad choices, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I just remember I had said that to him when I was 17 and I was going to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. And he had a choice to make and his choice was to punch me, knocked me down. Um, it got very violent. Um, all kinds of things happened. And this was the first and only time my mom actually tried to protect me. So the fight was already happening, but she came in, threw herself over me. I'm on the floor on my back and he's over me hitting. And um, he got her out of the room. He'd never, to my knowledge, ever harmed her, ever, ever, ever assaulted, abused or anything. Her ever. I mean, never. That It was always me. Um, sometimes my sister, but mostly me. And, uh, and I just thought, well, that that's weird. You know, hell must have frozen over because, you know, she's trying to protect me. And um, she kind of got thrown out of the room. And I remember him saying, you ever interfere again, blah, blah. There was some kind of consequence. Right. And that was the first time I'd ever heard him, like, um, threaten. I, yeah, I was yeah. going to say threaten Threaten her. her. Yeah. So. Because um, they were very, um, like you said, two peas in a pod kind of I mean they were very close they had a I don't know like I can't speak to connect um I don't know I think they loved each other I think it was obsession Mm. that turned probably into love over the years that's just my observation my opinion I'm not trying to like put words in their mouth or anything like that but um, anyway, the assault happened. Um, I didn't know what to do because now I'm stuck in this house and there's all this craziness going on. He's now out of my room. There's fighting going on. You know, my sister's home. Like, it's just, it's chaos. I call my now husband, then boyfriend. Um, he was working and I just said, uh, this just happened. I don't know what to do. I can't get out of the house. He said, get out of the window, which I've already established. I was very expert at, right? So I I threw my my study materials in my backpack, got out the window, got ran across the lawn to my car. My dad figured it out that I was making an escape. And uh, he came out of the house, grabbed some big rocks from the garden and started throwing them at my car. And my car was like my pride and joy. Um, You know, I had just graduated high school, I went to a credit union and just said, I don't, like, here's my pay stubs. Here's my grades. Like, yeah, please, can I have this loan? I need transportation. And they freaking gave it to me. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's like $1,800 back then, right? So I had my little, my little sports car. And, yeah, he was throwing rock, chucking rocks at my pride and joy. And um, I got away. And I got to the sorority house. God, I can't believe this still makes me get shaken up. Like, ugh, but it's okay. 
So I get to uh, my sorority house and I followed through on my end of the deal. So I called the police and they came and they photographed me and they did all the stuff. And then they went through the thing. Okay, does your dad have weapons at home? Yes, he does. Where are they? Da-da. So because it was a domestic violence situation, they um, did go and make the arrest. Um, now, a couple things happened from that. Now, the, the pattern was when I would have these incidents with my father growing up, um, I'd leave for a while. You know, it could be hours. It could be days, whatever it took. Back then, you know, um, very limited options on where I could go and what I could do. Um, but the pattern was few days, few hours, whatever I was feeling, I would call my mom when I didn't think he'd be around and get the sense of, is it safe to come to home? To go back. Yeah. yeah. And she'd give me kind of the all clear and I would. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is just heartbreaking. I know. I know. I know. Um, and I'd go back home and, you know, it'd be fine um, for a while anyway. And so a few days after this, and I mean, I'm not looking very pretty and uh, it got to the point where because I reported it from a sorority house, they called the dean's office at my college. Mm. And so I got pulled into the dean's office and I'm like, I'm already mortified. I'm morbidly embarrassed because this is my life. The, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remake myself. Right. I don't yeah. want anybody to know that this is my life. This is my life. You know, it's freaking awful so um on the plus side um you know when you're in college and you have to rely on your parents finances for school and Mm -hmm. you know we were never rich I mean there were times when we struggled and you know commodity food and Salvation Army shopping and all that kind of a Mm -hmm. thing um but I don't really know how to navigate that world and so they had to teach me how to or they, they they took me through the process of getting emancipated so that I could finish college without having to have any reliance. And, and it's not that my parents paid for college because they did not. Um, but it was no longer now when I would, you know, re up my financial aid um, was never going to be any longer dependent on my parents. Sure. Because I'd have to get information from them, you know, for the what's now a FAFSA. I don't think it was called that back then. So um, so that part was good. And the support from um, faculty and admin at the school was amazing. Um, I remember walking down the hall after class one day and um, <laughs> Dr. Sue Shirley, um, she's one of my favorite professors, and uh, she was more in, in the um, like liberal arts side of, side of the coursework, like elective humanities. Things. And she was also our sororities advisor. And she knew, you know, the sorority I was in. And so she came up to me in the hallway after a class, grabbed me by the shoulder. And she turns, I turn around and she goes, it's Mm. you. Mm. So they had told her. There's a student. There's a member of Alpha Omega Epsilon that was assaulted by her father. And she just wanted to tell me, please let that girl know that I'm here to help. And so she just looked at me in the hallway and filled with tears and I'm just like hi yeah Yeah. aren't I pretty right now this is awesome so um but but it was still really heartwarming you've been as mortified and embarrassed and just you know as I was so that happened um so a few days later I remember we have like a big uh, formal event with the sorority and 
you know, dress up and makeup wasn't going to cover up what was going on with this. So everybody knew, you know, they knew. And I was still pretty private and didn't give them a lot of details. In fact, it wasn't until um, just like the last few years that some of my sisters that mm. they didn't realize they kind of, well, you know how I have this reputation where I don't intend to, but people are intimidated by me and it's true, listeners who are not in the Rapid City yeah. area. <laughs> and it's stupid. And, you know, it kind of, you know, I've told you, it kind of breaks my heart every time it happens. But whatever. It is what it is. Um, but I've, I've had sisters come to me and just say, like, oh, my God. Now they that didn't they know. see what I've built yeah. here and, you know, like, and why, and why I'm so dedicated to helping people break these cycles, um, they just had no idea Mm-hmm. Because I just never wore it on my sleeve. It's like I was embarrassed. I sure. was I was shamed, you know, that nobody, nobody wants to be known for that or victim. You know, it's really right. awful. So um, anyway, a few days later, getting ready to go. This is a formal event. I figure, well, it's been three days. I should call my mom at least let her know I'm okay. Um, because she was always my my best friend, my, you know, my, just that that person waiting for the all clear uh, well this call went entirely different so I give her a call and she's just said I don't know what you're talking about mm. your dad never touched you I am not your mother you are not my daughter something to that effect and I'm like gut punch of the century like oh I like literally didn't know what to do so now I'm homeless in college. I am parentless. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think two weeks into that, I found out I was also pregnant to, with my fiance's baby. <laughs> so we moved that wedding up. Um, but yeah, it was just one punch after another. And then, you know, from there, um, I was going to stick through with my end of the deal. You know, I wanted I wanted that cycle to break. I, I didn't want my dad to... He, he, whatever drove him to do those types of things, I didn't believe that's who he was because he could be an amazing person, and he mm-hmm. really is. Like, these cycles have to break. This isn't healthy. Somebody's going to get, like, there has to be some kind of help, right? So mm-hmm. I, I continued with those proceedings, pressing charges for the assault. Um, and then, you know, at that point, it's out of my hands. The state's attorney's office has taken over, and especially mm-hmm. in a domestic violence case, this is this is what's going to happen. So we're getting ready to go to court. Um I know that I'm going to have to um, see them, and I haven't seen them since the thing happened, right? And it's been probably a couple months at mm-hmm. this point. And uh, victims' advocates come to me right before court. Like, I'm in the courthouse. The proceedings are going to start in, like, 15 minutes or something. And they say to me, we just want you to be aware, Charity, that your dad is on probation, and if he gets uh, convicted of this assault on you, he's going to prison. Mm. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean my dad's on probation? You like, really didn't know. I had no idea. I thought he'd been clean for oh. years, right? Was it drug-related? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so they fill me in on this, and I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I'm not trying to send my dad to prison. I'm trying... To, to hold, hold him, him accountable, accountable. Yes. right? <laughs> that it's not okay yeah. to beat up another human being. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this as someone who has been in many, many fights. It's never okay. 
Um, and also has been beat up by people other than my father. Like I didn't win every fight I was in. Right. Um, but I had a I had a decision to make, and I said to them, I'm like, prison's not the answer here. Like clearly, he has a problem that needs to be addressed: anger issues, drug issues. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know of any prison that's going to fix that. And I'm really thinking about like these cycles and these trajectories, and then I'm like. The only thing I could think of at the time, honestly, after all the shit I endured, was taking that higher road and hoping that the decision I was about to make would stick with him. That would change his behaviors. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my very good friends is uh, actually the state's attorney. So she knows this story, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody's pressed charges against me yet for perjury, but <laughs> I got on the stand, and I said I made it all up so that he didn't have to go to prison. Mm. I lied my ass off to save that man from going to prison because I didn't think that was the right thing to do. Meanwhile, I'm doing this, and my mom and my sister in the back of the courtroom sneering and making these horrible faces, and I mean, it's... Well, my mom's a whole nother story. My sister I've totally forgiven because I'm sure my mom fed her a bunch of bullshit and, mm-hmm. you know, she believed it and that's fine. Whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. You know. She's young. She's young. But um, so he didn't go to prison. So um, my parents are cut out of my life for quite some time. I now have a daughter and uh, they still have my dog my little dog I got when I graduated high school. And my sister reaches out and she says, hey, you know, we're, so they weren't at our wedding, none of that, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, I had an aunt give me away because I didn't have my grandma around and yeah. it's all that crap. So um, she reaches out and she said, hey, you know, mom and dad would really, really love to meet your daughter. And I had to think about it. But then I said, okay. I want something in return. I want my dog back. <laughs> and uh, she said, okay. They figured it out. Okay. They came to, why? Well, maybe they lived here. They, they did live here. We lived in Minnesota, but they lived here. And so I met them. I let them meet their granddaughter. And then, you know, my husband and I had some really hard talks about it because he was raised by amazing parents yeah. who were supportive and were with him every step of the way and never struck him or, you know, right. d- exposed him to drugs or you know it just uh, you know again they pretty idyllic very idyllic um just good people want like wanted to have children and invest in them and have them be amazing human beings right so that's that's the approach I took when I raised my kids but uh um I really got off track there a second well fluffy comes home oh fluffy okay yeah so I'm so 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 that happens I don't know and that the my, dog's name was Chloe. No, her name I'm was Chloe. Her name was Chloe. But uh, so my husband and I had a long talk, and I thought, you know, I think about the things I knew about both of my grandparents, maternal and paternal grandparents, and how they were amazing grandparents mm-hmm. and probably struggled as parents. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I wonder if being a grandparent – would and we see it in in people we serve like we've seen grandparents raising their grandchildren 
because the, they're children who, who you know, are out of the picture. Right. But they're redeeming themselves through that. They're, like, yeah. being a better version of themselves. And I just thought it was really important for me to know my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to know them. I'll endure this, and I will work on what I can do for the relationship. But I want to I wanna try to gift my children with that. And so we went that route. It was very rocky um, when we first brought my parents back into our lives. Um, my dad was incredible. He apologized. He owned everything. He thanked me. He just apologized profusely. Like, he knows what I did for him. Mm-hmm. He knows. And that really made me feel good. Mm-hmm. My mom, on the other hand, has never owned it. She has gaslighted me all these years. She told the cops that I had my boyfriend, now husband, hit me so I could have bruises to show the police. Like, these just absurd, yeah. absurd accusations, yeah. right? Um, and that's that's perpetuated all these years. And she's also someone where if you just sweep it under the rug, it never happened. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up a fawner with my mom. Oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Just whatever we had to do to get her back to happy and... Because you know how, like, some of our, you know, Carabeth calls me a radiator. Like, whatever emotion I'm feeling, yeah, everybody's going to feel it. I can influence a room even if I'm not saying a word, right? Yeah. Some people are just that way with their with their energy. Um, my mom is very much that way. I, got, I definitely got that from her. Okay. Um, so, you know, just trying to make her happy and put out the fire and just, like, get back to mm-hmm. whatever. And... Uh, yeah, there have been, again, multiple times in our life where it's up and down. It's up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, went through a phase where, uh, so now I have parents-in-law, amazing people. Um, now I have a mother-in-law because my father-in-law passed away. And uh, my mom, just with her... She has a lot of insecurities. Yeah, that's I the word. Yeah. You've yeah. Ta- we've talked about this before where I'm sure she would be disagreeing if she hears this. She's going to just say, Charity's making it up. She's right. But um, really had it in for my mother in law. And my mother in law is an angel. Like, yeah. she's just wonderful. The kindest, yeah. sweetest, most virtuous angel. Yeah. She's an angel. She's an angel on earth. And uh, so, so then that was another battle and like, okay, yeah. you don't get to disrespect my mother-in-law in my home. Like, uh, come on. And my mother-in-law bent over backwards. Like, let's invite your parents for Thanksgiving. Let's do this. Let's be a family. Mm-hmm. Never worked. Always blew up in our faces. And I'm just like, welcome to my world, Shirley. You said once, like, if you mentioned her name, if you mentioned Shirley's name in oh, your do, mom's do you want me to? Oh, do you want me to mimic this? <laughs> I don't know. Do I? Well, I'll tell you a, a quick story. Um, so my father-in-law was um, declining dementia, led to Alzheimer's, led to, mm-hmm. you know, his passing. And uh, my parents came to visit um, one summer, Memorial Day weekend, I think, Labor Day. I don't remember. One of, one of the things. They came to visit because they'd moved to uh, Colorado by then. And... My dad has always been very on very friendly terms with my in-laws and wanted to know the status. And we can't talk about my mother-in-law in front of my mom because it just it goes nuclear pretty quickly. So we're out on a patio of a restaurant. She goes to the bathroom and I'm like, OK, dad, quick. Here's the update on Mike and Shirley and da 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 da. And the the episode because my my in-laws had just left town um, shortly before my parents came to visit. Um, 
we had been at the same restaurant and my father-in-law was trying to read the menu. We were trying to get him to order. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what do you want, Mike? And he would always defer to his wife. Well, I don't know, Shirley, whatever you're having. And I would push him a little bit, Mike, what do you want? And if you really pushed him, like at the time, of course, that that changed. But he could he could do it. He could make a decision. And so I was telling my dad that, I don't know, Shirley, what do you think? So that was the thing. Um, my mom comes back from the bathroom. Now, I've, I've mentioned that because of all the life choices my dad's made, he's very impulsive. Doesn't always like cause and effect to think about that. Um, and very unfiltered. <laughs> very unfiltered, right? And so my mom sits down and she asks a, asks a question. And my dad thinking he's being funny because he is a funny guy. He yeah. looks at her. He goes, I don't know, Shirley, what do you think? And she doesn't know the context. Now, if I had been in that situation, I would have been like, what? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? What I miss? Like, did what you I just miss. have a stroke? What's going on? Instead, it was, what? <gasps> and just when we talked about radiator, oh, my God, it's like it's like nuclear waste, like just emanating from her in this cloud. And we were out on the patio like the people I knew I'd introduced, you know, my family to. And I'm just mortified. Like, What? Like she had just been called the C word or something. Like right. it was that equivalent. And I'm just like, and she does these things in front of my husband. Mm-hmm. That's how little, anyway, not very self-aware. And I'm like, and she knows my husband's a saint. And mm-hmm. and insults his mother in front of him. And then my tendency back then was just like, no, 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 no. Here's what I was telling dad. This is why he said what he said, because he's not explaining it. And I'm just like, yeah. let's just put out the fire, put out the fire, put out the fire, right? And then things just, you know, continue to, to escalate. Um, that was a crazy trip. I won't go and tell the stories because I'm sure I'll tell them. <laughs> at some point. At some point. And yeah. it'll just blow your mind because you're like, you'll be like, yeah. parents don't behave that way. Oh, must some do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll talk about your escape artist act that you pulled in part by going to college and and some of the choices you did end up making, including the people you decided to include in your life. So we'll be right back. At One Heart, transforming lives begins with safe, stable housing and a support system that allows people to reach their true potential. It requires motivation, mentorship, and a myriad of services. It takes time and treasure, but it's worth it because it's working. One Heart provides people with a sense of security, opportunities for economic advancement, and adds dozens to the workforce each year. Learn more about why One Heart works at oneheartrc.org. All right, we are back on this edition of the Escape Pod, and um, Charity just shared, um, I find it to be heartbreaking stories about, you know, um, although you did break the cycles. Did break the cycles. Yeah, so uh, is it safe to say you certainly used education as an Escape Pod? education, counseling, all the stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff, yeah. And then I do remember, we probably hadn't been working together very long when I one day I said, um, have you ever wondered what your life would be like if you didn't meet Tim, mm-hmm. her now husband? And you were very blunt and like, oh, yeah. Like it could have oh, been I know exactly different. what it would be like. So um, the choice in including him in your life, letting him into the crazy a little bit, uh, did completely you you have experienced what it's like to to have 
um, you know, the in-laws that you, that you had and, and have, cause one is still with us. So that's a, that's a blessing. What do you think about that? How often does that cross your mind? Well, because of the work that I do and, you know, monthly I get to meet with um, all of our new clients. We call them guests here. And I, I always want to give them a little bit of context about why one heart is the way it is. Like that it's, that, that there's science behind every piece of it mm-hmm. and an amazing opportunity. And, and, I, and I go into some of my stories. I make sure they understand I'm not just some person who like has a college degree and studied yeah. up on you know and just wants this, to help like, people yeah, like yeah, no it's yeah, a like, bit this more is than that. lived yeah. experience I've been where you're at and I it it's meaningful and and I tell them like I'm not saying that you have to divorce all the people in your life I'm saying that's what I had to do correct you know like the escape looks different for everybody the escape looks different for everybody and I mean and it's still an ongoing thing right it was just um Almost three years ago now was the last time I talked to my mom. It ended up in a screaming match, mm-hmm. which I think was the first time that had really ever happened. And um, and she made it very well known that she uh, – dread. Dread was the word she used. Dread's talking to me because she does not want to hear about the work I do. And this was my life's work. This was like the – you know, it's another baby. Oh my! I mean, I <laughs> having another child. You, you were with me for the yeah. whole thing. You yeah. saw what I poured into this. Yeah. I mean, everything—heart, yeah. soul, reputation, everything. You know, and and I just remember saying to her, "Would it kill you to be proud of your kid for once?" That was the last yeah. thing I ever said to her. And uh, you know, and then I'm I'm always the one that extends the olive branch. And so for weeks, you know, my husband, I'd be out hiking, biking, whatever. And this is all I could talk about. I'm ruminating. How am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? I didn't break it. It was just like I got to the point in that last conversation where I am tired of fawning. Mm -hmm. I am tired of being gaslighted. I'm tired of, you know, just the whole thing. And I was trying to speak my truth for the first time with my mother. Did not end well. And so I, and I'm a fixer by nature. I mean, everything I've ever done is like solving a problem and trying to, I mean, you know, from fixing a mechanical piece of something to a system to, in my coaching practice, a person, like always want to fix things. Right. And, um, you know, I got to the point where I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do. And my husband said something to me that was so simple and so profound. He said, charity when are you going to stop being Charlie Brown? <laughs> and I'm like, huh. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Good analogy. And then I'm like, well, I'm cut. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. So months after the last meeting, um, I get a letter from my mom. And I, I finally hit a good place because every time I have to cut them out of my life, I grieve. Yeah. I grieve. Oh, yeah. I feel like they've, they've died. Like, I mean, they're, my parents, I still love them deeply. Um, so you grieve and then I finally get to a good place and this letter shows up in my mailbox and I just went, I have a, I have a choice to make. I'm either going to engage again and keep the cycle going or I'm not. And so I've, I put the letter away. I've never opened it. And I just said, no, I'm good. Do you still have it? I still have it. It's in my home somewhere, but I've never opened it. And I just, I just can't because of the you know, 50 years mm-hmm. of relationship on and off with this this woman, there's never been a, 
genuine apology that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And so my fear is that it's going to be more gaslighting. I'm sorry, but it's your fault. Or, And I just, I can't go through it again. Like, I think I have come to appreciate, especially in the work that I do, that I don't think I could have done this or would have created it the way it is had I not gone through all of this stuff. Like, my parents made me who I am, right? And I'm going to harness the things that have made, you know, my work uh, compelling and fulfilling and just... Like it wasn't in vain. Those yeah, things yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. That there without, was a reason for it, yeah. and and that I can turn that into something beautiful and powerful. And uh, I just walked someone through here yesterday that I grew up with and had heard about One Heart, but didn't really experience it. And they walked through it, and they were just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like, and you know, and anyway, so. I had somebody the other day at one of the community colleges that we partner with. We've had a number of students go go there, people who maybe never thought they'd go back to school and end up yeah. going back to school, which is very cool. And one of the ladies said, I just was so impressed when I actually, you know, toured because um, you guys thought of everything. Well, we know we didn't maybe think of everything, but we have certainly tried and we are still willing to adjust and add and you know, do those things. But it it was, you know, I always tell people a lot of our efforts, very intentional. They're very, virtually nothing is by happenstance. Um, sometimes, of course, in any area of life, you know, something, sometimes it's just good luck, you know, something happens and you're like, oh, that was great. I'm well, so I think glad. About you, you know, um, being with me from day one on this adventure. Yeah. And your parents have been here and have yeah. seen this and have brought friends. Yeah. My parents have never set foot on this campus. I know. You know, like, they're not interested. Or she's not. And so, you know, my dad will go along to get along because, you know, got to keep her happy kind of a thing. But um, anyway, it is what it is. I'm done being Charlie Brown. And I just instead, like, I, I, I harbor no ill will towards my parents. I would love to have them in my life, but on my terms. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I don't want to set myself up for more heartbreak mm-hmm. because it's just it's. 50 years I you know I'm kind of learning now like I don't I don't want to continue doing that so um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know continue to set that example for the people we serve here mm-hmm. that and they can do that I'm not saying they have to do that but that's yeah. what I needed to do to to really break these and cycles, your own so. kids like your own kids fully recognize yeah. I think that their their existence is much different um, as children, their lives as children. Well, were you think of adverse child experiences, that whole study and the ACEs score. Yeah. Um, I know we'll, we, we have a guest plan to talk about some of that stuff. Um, but, you know, my ACEs score is pretty high. Mm-hmm. It's like a seven out of 10. And uh, we'll talk more about details on what that means. But um, honestly, I mean, One Heart was, is pretty incredible. And Going to college, the you know, being the first gen college student, that was that was a feat. But the thing I am the most proud of is breaking those cycles. And my children have zeros; mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. never had those adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. And um, boy, the way they approach life and the things they've accomplished, <laughs> and um, their self confidence and their relationships. I mean, I watch the relationship with their father. God, I wish I would have had that. Mm-hmm. But it is so cool because, you know, 
we fix that. You know, they yeah. they have that. And if they have kids, it's going to be an entirely different situation. Mm-hmm. So just being a cycle breaker, God, I just, yeah. that's my greatest hope for humanity and the people that come across our campus and the work we do. Um, and, you know, the people listening to become an escape artist, it is possible. It is not easy. Right. My, you know, my trajectory is not easy. But if it can help another human go holy crap i mean especially if you you know hear wheels off the bus go bang 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 and all this stuff and the things that i did and how i'm not that person anymore like mm-hmm. i think that's something to be um a, a model for other people that good lord if i could do it with the shit i was pulling <laughs> Anybody can do this, right? Yeah. And now we have the support systems and all that kind of a thing in place. And and that's really why I do the work I do every day. Yeah. Okay, real quick, because this is longer than usual. Um, Any place you would like to escape to? Something fun, a mindset, (laughs) a place? Honestly... It's a good night's sleep. I haven't had one of those in a while. So the nearly perfect husband. He got sick. Which never happens, and so there's some <laughs> going on at night. And um, I love him dearly. Um, I have thrown some punches and uh, light punches. Light punches. Um, he went nudges. He, Those are nudges. Oh, they've been harder than nudges lately. Um, so it's been going on for about uh, four weeks now. And, oh my um, goodness! And I'm I'm very tired. I'm exhausted. Um, he went to Atlanta this week, and I was so excited to have my bed to myself and I'm just like oh my gosh and then something happened every single night where I did not get that long sleep it's been crazy at work it's just been you know crazy my my friends have had crises like it's just been all kinds of things so I still he came home last night um I didn't get to see him I told him I have a meeting at six o'clock in the morning dude so you're on your own I'll see you in the morning um I was aware when he got home and crawled into bed and um, he even tried like he, he he's not obviously doing this on purpose. Right. But like breathe strips and tried something and uh, woke me up. And then once I'm awake, I'll just start to nod off and he'll do it again. And I'm just like, yeah. So I finally just got up and went to another bedroom and the bed's different and my hip hurts and there's different <laughs> sounds. And I'm thinking about the six o'clock in the morning meeting and. You know, now I'm yeah. now I'm not in my element. So what if I miss my alarm and everybody's depending on me? So anyway, I did not sleep. <laughs> so I, yeah, I moved my next meeting up an hour. And as soon as that meeting goes, I will be in bed by 5 o'clock this evening. Really? I got to do it. I'm so sleep deprived. I'm not going to okay. be good to anybody. Like oh. I said, this has been a really hard week. So I want to escape to my bed. Oh. And uh, I had a friend today give me some tips for the husband and I, we were, so my husband's in my path, work paths cross sometimes. Uh-huh. We were in the same meeting this morning and I said, hey, I got something for you. <laughs> so he's like, what? I'm like, just, you're going to do this and we're going to give it a go. I think in our household um, that uh, we all, we do not sleep in the same bed. I joke, we don't even sleep on the same floor yeah. anymore. <laughs> he likes the basement. And I, in our old house, there was a reason for that. It's because we had a very restless child sleeper and, and his bed and our bed shared a wall. And my husband is a very light sleeper in part because of his work. And so he would wake up, anything he's the child did. He's a firefighter, just so you know. firefighter. Like, and so they need to kind of, you know. Be up and ready be on a light time. sleepers. Yeah. 
And um, so the child, even if it wasn't anything wrong, he would often wake up. And so then he was like sleep deprived at work and sleep deprived at home. And so I'm the one who said, uh, why don't you go downstairs? And I thought in time he would come back. <laughs> And he didn't, and it used to bother me, and those days are done. It doesn't bother me. We even moved into a different house, um, but it still had a downstairs bedroom, and he didn't. The first couple of nights, he slept, we slept in the same room, and he was trying to be so nice. But I know I, not all the time I don't think I snore, but I do snore. Same thing, like you get stuffed up. We're in a super dry climate, yeah. and that's part of it. And uh, he was trying to be nice, and he was like, um, I really just cannot sleep next to you. <laughs> so fast forward to just this past weekend, and I was uh, we had a sporting event out of town. He couldn't go because he had to work. And so my kids were with me, and... Um, one of them, still the bad sleeper, is a much better sleeper, but he's still kind of hard to sleep next to, the younger one. So I was actually in bed with the older one, and I realized, like, okay, now I'm the one who can't sleep with somebody. It drove me crazy. I hardly slept that night. Oh, funny. And I'm like, so all the roles have reversed in our life, and uh, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with it. So um, I uh, have had quite a bit of caffeine today, so I won't be um, escaping to, to sleep anytime soon, but... I don't know. I think I would just like, you know what I've been missing is a good episode of like Wheel of Fortune because we are so busy in the evenings and we're hardly ever home at night. And locally that's on in right at the time I'm leaving the house. And that's what I would, if I could just yeah. like just sit there Something for just to just or not Jeopardy. Do Can I anything? just have yeah. like 30 minutes of a tr- like quiz show? Yeah. That would be fantastic. Well, good so luck maybe, with that. So maybe, I know, it's time to, like, uh, get a DVR or something. We're pretty, um, we don't have a lot of technology in our house, so, which is funny. I used to always say, like, I was on TV, and we never had the fancy TV. You know what Isn't I've been doing? Funny? Actually, what do I want to escape to besides bed? What I'll do before bed is watch Key and Peele. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh they're fun. Oh, they are so funny. And I just, yeah. it, it is so, so talented. And yeah. Just hilarious the things they think of it just cracks me up and I don't have to think. I can just laugh. Yes. So they're kind of my heroes right now. Yeah. So I'll do that that's fun. Until I fall asleep watching it because that's what I do. And then I've yeah. done uh do you ever watch clips, Graham Norton clips? No, I haven't heard of oh, Graham Norton. He's a British Ooh. TV talk show host. Okay. They're I'll you do, send do, you a do, couple do, good do, ones. Okay. They're they're pretty they're pretty funny. Yeah. So I'm the same way when I really just need, like, I need a good little laugh. And they can be as, like, short as two minutes or they can be, like, a compilation mm-hmm. of good interviews that kind of have similar topics or whatever. And um, those will get me kind of chuckling all to myself late at night. When Same thing when you just, like, okay, I just need to let my mind go yeah. and not care. And so, yeah. So I notice, too, I'll do that a lot escape. more when I'm uh, stressed out and like that any even though I should probably just sit and do nothing and listen to nothing and just um, I'm constantly listening to podcasts yeah so like for the last couple of weeks it's been catching up on Sinisterhood that's one of my favorites just okay constant episode after episode after episode after episode and um, I just love it and they're so talented and um, yeah or uh, another one is scared to death it's a husband and wife and 
that one is pretty funny. Even those okay. stories are scary. Like he's doing it intentionally, try to scare the bejesus out of his wife, yeah. and it's pretty funny. I'm telling you right now, I'm not listening to no, that one. No, I know you're not going to do it. Some not, of them are not pretty that one. horrifying. The others, you've told me about some others I could probably get into, but um, I don't want to go to bed scared. Because no. again, I'm in my bed by myself, right? Well, and I was doing that um, <laughs> while my husband was gone. Like, was it? Oh, yeah. So my doorbell thing goes off, and I don't see, and I'm like, and I'm starting to like look around corner. It's ridiculous. And I do it to myself. But at least then I'm not thinking about work or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at least pulling myself out of that. Being scared, probably not the best thing for my adrenaline and cortisol levels. But, no. you know, it, they also make me laugh. And I think that's just what I gravitate. Yeah. You know, that's the same thing with my husband. That's the first thing that attracted me to him was that he was funny. He made me laugh. Is he, though? He, well, not to you. Depends. Yeah. Yeah. No. He gives you a lot of help, but. He's just mean to me, but um, I'm getting used to it. We've known each other for a while It's in fun. Mm. What did, what was our theory? He dated a girl named Julie and that maybe is why. um, Nope. The girl who introduced us was named Julie and she and I were. Hellions. Bad news together. And he put up with, okay, not just my shit. (laughs) But the two of us were a powder keg. And um, yeah, maybe we should have an episode of Charity and Julie stories. But he finally said one time, okay, that's like the two of these together, like they're on an island that no one else can get on. (laughs) Like they have their own language. They have their own. All they do, it's one look, one word. They know exactly. And um, but no, the amount, the antics and the amount of trouble we got into in college, um, he got fed up. There were so many times just like. So this is so like could be that, yeah. feelings. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She's my daughter's godmother, and uh, boy, meeting her—that um, actually is really wild story. <laughs> For another day. For another. For day. another day. But it's right. off the charts. Well, we're gonna wrap yeah. up this edition of the Escape Pod. So thank you for tuning in. I know it was a little heavy today. Um, I actually didn't expect to get emotional because I've talked to Julie about this story multiple times, but I got in it. Adrenaline, cortisol was going the whole time. Um, But we really appreciate your support. If you like what you heard or you can relate to it, please share it with a friend who you think might enjoy it or relate to it or benefit from hearing that story and that trajectory. And uh, just so you know, Julie and I are a two-person operation. We write, research, produce, and promote the show all on our own. You can really help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. And it really, really helps grassroots efforts like ours gain more exposure. You can check out our website at escapepod.live. Follow us on our socials. You can reach out if you feel like it at justbecause at escapepod.live. Or if you want, you can share your story of escape with us. And maybe we'll share it on a future episode. You can send those to escapeartist at escapepod.live. We want those. We want your stories. Yes, we do. Please Please, write in escapeartist at escapepod.live. We're closing the hatch on this episode of The Escape Pod. Remember, trauma may be inevitable, but how you grapple with it is optional. Stay resilient and keep laughing.